Good morning, everyone. This is a Wake Forest student run podcast, Fabulous Adventures, where our goal is to make you a better leader than you were yesterday. With intelligent and unique guests, we aim to make substantial impacts on people each and every day. Today, our guest is Yu Gang, the chairman of the Long Term Corporation, a real estate company. The real estate market in China remains mostly a myth to many foreigners, and the center of which is that why could it create such an enormous bubble but without bursting? Therefore, with this episode, you can expect yourself to learn from the Chinese real estate market a bit more. Mr. Yu was born in the village during the Tang Dynasty. He was not lucky enough to receive adequate edu- education before starting to take different jobs to support family. He went through a hard time to raise funds for his first business, a laser processing plant, and later chose to enter the real estate industry back in 2008 during the time of the international financial crisis, and gradually established the company's reputation in the local market through a reliable apartment quality and trustworthy service. It has been recently decided by him. That it is time for the corporation to expand the company's businesses into the other markets, and the city nearby has been chosen for its first destination. Mr. Yu, first, I would like to ask you about your journey before you became an entrepreneur. Could you provide us with an overview of it? 开公司之前啊，我从这个就是 As for the time prior to establishing my first company, I dropped out of my middle school with one year left. After I dropped out, I started working in different construction sites, picking grains, sieving sand. But then I began to serve as an apprentice until I could set up my first business. This whole course of events was extremely tough. I went out early and returned after dusk, working from dawn to night. But I knew I had to be one step closer in order to pave my path before ever starting a business. I'd been suffering during that time. Take picking greystones as an example. When the winter came, I still had to walk in the water to pick them up, and the water was so bitter cold that I could not help shivering continuously. Indeed, I believe this irreplaceable experience of yours had contributed to the cultivation of your various virtues later. And do you think resilience had played a major role in the time of your struggles? One factor that had contributed to my resilience was originally from my personality, and the second factor was produced by the life of the period, in which the hardships of life have forced virtue to be cultivated. It was all these ceaseless day to day, year to year. Endeavors that had trained me to acquire the quality of perseverance. Because holding on to yourself and holding on more can help you improve the life you are now living. Because you hope you can earn yourself a better life. So no matter how difficult the stret is, even if it sometimes has already gone beyond my limit, I would still clench my teeth and persist. I believe personality has served a much larger role here. It makes me have a determination to change myself, a determination to tell me never give up at the end. When you first started your company, we know that there are a lot of decisions to be made, 
And we also know that courage is essential when it comes to making risky decisions. And I believe that this is a virtue we have also cultivated over years. How have your courage been tested in those years during your first time starting a company? From this, Starting from doing farm works to doing full time jobs, being an apprentice, doing small businesses, and finally opening a factory, then a company. This should be seen as an actual process, a process for me to accumulate my courage, to accumulate my experience, and also my funds. At that time, when I established my first firm, I actually was not thinking too much about the future, as perhaps I was only 24 or 25. So young, I filled myself with the desire to go forward. Therefore, during that time, the so-called timidity did not appear too much on myself. I hadn't considered about the consequences of failure. All I care about was going as far as I can and getting myself a solid career. So you have also mentioned about you were once even afraid of speaking in front of the public. How did courage overcome your fear? My fear of giving public speeches was also related to my personality. And the second reason is the result of my limited cultural and scholarly knowledge, making me lack of the corresponding theoretical level to give a speech. Third, I had bad eloquence, that when I expressed my concern to a certain issue, I could not speak eloquently in front of the public. These three factors had resulted in me being pretty nervous whenever I went on stage or presented in a big occasion. The process of overcoming it was also the process of tempering myself. It started with me participating in the on-the-job training program in 2000, attending the EMBA courses. It was during this period of education that I was required to make speeches and also had additional demand to fulfill my social duties. Both of them had forced me to step on stage and present my speeches. As a result, I could start gradually overcoming my fear and tension. However, because of my personality, I'm still unable to fully overcome my state of fear of public speeches today. But I still consider this experience of mine vital to my career. Because if you ever wanted to realize your duty as a manager or a social worker, you then have to give speeches under different circumstances. And you have to force yourself to get rid of those negative personal influences. I appreciate how you have kept this determination in your mind, even though you have not still completely overcome that fear of yours. I believe you can still going to do better in the future. And it's how we are. We keep moving on and we keep improving ourselves.
So, Mr. Yo, it must not have been an easy task to transit to a new industry. And what have motivated you to determine to enter the real estate market? My transformation to the real estate market was not exactly motivated by something. It was actually the outcome yielded during those few years before the transformation and the development of the leather industry had faced several obstacles. The profit of the firm had been significantly dropping. Sometimes the firm would even endure losses, and the debts were also piling up. Thus, under the new situation, there was an urgent need to discover new operations to transform and upgrade. So when I chose to enter the real estate market, it was really because the dire situation of the industry. There was no way to increase the profit, and the whole corporation was losing money, while the pressure from the debts was also getting heavier, year after year. We were lucky to find a breakpoint in 2005, through the local shoe manufacturing industry, offering me the opportunity to operate the market of shoe production in the wholesale mall. Thus, we were able to transform into the real estate industry with that financial aid. And so, with your current knowledge, could you provide a brief explanation of the unbreakable bubble of the Chinese real estate market? The real estate industry has already made up about 15% of China's GDP. There are more than 10 industries that have developed relationships between the real estate market and the job opportunities it provides are estimated to be above 10 million. Chinese citizens do not have too many financial management options. Stock market is extremely risky, so Chinese citizens prefer buying houses instead as their investments. Many of them would deplete their savings from purchasing houses. Some may also ask for financial help from their relatives when they were too short in money. Therefore, if the real estate market in China were to crash, it would be too much to bear for ordinary people as well as the nation, and the financial institutions would face a huge impact that it is also out of their control. Thus, the country will not puncture this bubble. Instead, they will restrain it and gradually squeeze it out. This is corresponding with all the regulations posed by the country, which aim to keep real estate market growing in a healthier manner instead of crushing it. Yes, I believe you have well summarized the present situation for the real estate market in China right now. So for Chinese people, humility is one of the core values that practiced by us daily. Do you consider being humble a difficult task? And how did you assist attract investments and partnership for a real estate company during its early stages? Both humility and honesty are critical values and virtues to both conducting oneself and operating a business. During the development of a corporation, if there were no involvement of humility and honesty, there would be no one left to help you out or partner with you. 
It is because of this possession of these good virtues that my company can continue to strive. It is also because of these good virtues that all sectors of society are willing to assist you and cooperate with you. I believe that you not only need to have humility and honesty, but you also need to be broad-minded. You should be capable of looking at the bigger picture instead of counting on your own share of the profit. Having the courage to ready for unfavorable situations and thinking more about your partner and society's share of the profit and then your company can continue to prosper. However, the reality is never always a fortune, especially for entrepreneurs. So, what are some most significant crises that you remember that can't happen to the company? And how did you deal with them? During the development of my company, crises would arise at any time, and they have included the losses of the company's backbone and the accumulating debts of the company. I will focus more on the important one, which is being highly indebted. This situation will be related to the loan repayment, and when a crisis occurs, the more crucial job for a corporation to do would be to stay calm instead of being self-indulged and to actively fight for the support offered by financial institutions. I have to say that during times of such crisis, the accumulation of my personal character and always treating people with honesty and kindness have foreshadowed for the mortgage supported by the financial institutions to me that it helped the company to overcome its financial crisis. I'm sure that this mindset of yours should be learned by more people, especially the youth. So, are there any suggestions you give to the rising younger generation who intend to become or already are aspiring entrepreneurs? The younger generation must have their aspirations, but they should also not aim too high at first. It is still quite important to take it step by step. They need to confirm the goal of their lives and then make a good plan of the path to take in order to achieve that goal, and then march to that goal with the direction they have set for themselves. They need to choose that right road, that right goal that is worth fighting for, for them, and keep up with that in times. Moreover, they should seek opportunities from the need and the possible changes in the future, to do something that the nation supports and encourages. Before they started their own businesses, the younger generation should first learn professional knowledge and learn it well during their time spent in universities, getting in on the foundation 
so that the road in the future could be walked with a sense of firmness in their mind. Thank you, Mr. Yo, for joining us today. Making a profit and creating a social impact shouldn't be mutually exclusive concepts, and we are here to show you how. Come join us in our quest to change the world, one story at a time. We believe that this podcast has the potential to make a change in people's lives and an impact on the world. Our mission is to help people with disabilities and special needs feel more recognized within society. We resonate with the mission of Mochi Coffee in downtown Winston Salem, a business that employs individuals with disabilities, or as they say, with different abilities. Please join us in empowering and celebrating these individuals by grabbing a coffee and spread smiles and magic. Thank you for tuning in to, to this episode of Fabulous Adventures. Don't forget, we can change the world and make a difference today by empowering those around us. At the end of this podcast, perhaps you can ask yourself this question: If you could leave a young or aspiring entrepreneur with a piece of advice, what would it be? That's all for this week, folks. See you around. <laughs>